Let me begin by saying how much blessing it is to be here with you, uh, how much of a blessing it is to uh, hear the uh, encouraging words from you about uh, our son and uh, daughter-in-law. Uh, it is always good for parents to know uh, some of the things that are going on uh, in their children's lives from information outside of their children. It's mentioned that apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. Uh, you see Jonathan as a product of uh, my uh, experience and my teaching and my style and such. Uh, for those that may have uh, heard my father at some point in time, you'll know that that's where I got it, uh, my style. We're going to be talking about a foundational topic this entire week. We've titled this series, Foundations of Faith. Faith is essential for all that we do within our life as a child of God. What we want to do is look at various aspects over the course of the days that lie ahead of what we can learn from the scriptures about that foundational topic of faith. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Jonathan purposely led a song uh, tonight that well, I know all three of the songs are dealing with the uh, idea, the topic of faith. Uh, but I know that uh, the song that he led just before I got up here uh, was on purpose for the topic uh, tonight. What we want to do is to look at this idea of faith from the idea of believing without seeing. You may have... Uh, recall some of the phrasing that we sang in the song that we just uh, the events that took place uh, uh, while Jesus was here on this earth the things that the disciples all saw things that, that they beheld with their own eyes that we don't see except by faith we see that in John 20 John chapter 20 beginning in verse 24 John records, Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to them, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. As we reflect on this part of the Bible, it is almost impossible 
for us not to see ourselves in that in that arena, in that in that vein. When we hear Jesus speak of those who have not seen yet believe, that's us. None of us were there and saw Jesus hanging on the cross. None of us were there and saw him after he had been raised from the dead. The fact that anyone who is really a Christian today is someone who has not seen and yet they have believed. Jesus foretold about a time when people who had not seen what the apostles saw that would believe on those things. They would believe on Jesus without seeing and that describes us. That really is a true hymn that we can sing. We saw thee not but we believe. And if we really do believe, we are included in the blessing that Jesus pronounced there in John 20 and verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. As we think about believing in Jesus without seeing, we should remember that most of the early Christians also believed without seeing Jesus. We think about the Jews on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36 and 37. Acts chapter 2, those individuals that were gathered there, we know that there were people that were gathered from all over the world. There was not 24-hour news where they could have seen uh, broadcast images of Jesus on the cross. Those people that had lived in all those places, they may or may not have ever seen Jesus in their lives. These individuals, they believed in Jesus. Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Even though there may have been some that, that had seen Jesus before his resurrection and saw miracles on Pentecost, yet they believed what they couldn't see. They believed in the Lord that had been crucified, is now raised from the dead, and had ascended on high. You believe that he has been made both Lord and Christ. So those individuals believed without seeing. There are others in the city of Jerusalem. The multitudes, and we go on further in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. These other people, they believed Jesus without they believed in Jesus without seeing him. Look in verse 4 of chapter 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed. They're listening to the testimony of Peter and the other apostles. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. The more we go further away from the day of Pentecost. Not only the Jews there in Pentecost, not only the multitudes there in the city of Jerusalem, but as we continue our story through the book of Acts, we see that these Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, they believed in Jesus without seeing him. 
Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. He's preaching Christ. He's telling them about Jesus and about the resurrection. He's telling them about the ascension of Jesus Christ back to the Father. He's telling them all these things that about Jesus Christ. And in verse 12, And when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Here's the information that they're given. They're telling them these things about Jesus and what Jesus has been made, both Lord and Christ. And they believe. The Ethiopian eunuch, later on, in that same chapter, Beginning in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Ethiopian eunuch believed without seeing. He heard the words of Philip. And he believed it and was baptized. 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, we're told of Christians in Asia that believed in Jesus. They believed because of the words that they had heard. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. But now you do not you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Friends, this is just a few of the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of individuals in the first century who became Christians by believing without seeing. As you think about their faith, we need to remember that their faith is not an abstract faith. It's not academic. It's not a detached faith. It is a faith that is so strong that they were willing to die. They were willing to suffer. They were willing to sacrifice for the, their faith in Christ Jesus. Now I'm confident this audience well aware of these things. The reason that I mention all of this is because I want to say something about the atheistic uh, accusation that all faith is foolish, that it's silly, that it's naive. Most of us have heard people represent faith in Jesus as a blind faith. They compare it to a, quote, leap in the dark. I think about this idea, uh, the image that comes to my mind is Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones uh, taking a leap of faith and just stepping off over a chasm. That's not what we're talking about. A newspaper commentator said, Commitment to Jesus Christ, I am told, happens in one giant leap from the edge of evidence over a vast chasm of logic into the safety and comfort of faith. Friends, what we need to realize is that portrayal of faith 
in Christ as an irrational leap into the dark is not the kind of faith that the Bible teaches. And it is a misrepresentation of real Christians. What we believe in Jesus, what we believe as Christians, is not a blind faith. It's not just a leap saying, oh yes, I'll just take... There's more to it. Before I say more about faith in Jesus, I want to talk about the nature of faith in general. Because I think that, too, is something that is misunderstood by many people. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 is often given as the definition of faith. That's where the Bible defines what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm reading from the New King James. Let me give you a couple other translations just to, for, for uh, comparison. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The English Standard renders it. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What we want to realize, what we want to notice that faith is an assurance. It is a conviction about things that haven't been seen. That assurance may involve things in the past. That assurance of things may involve things in the present. That assurance of things may involve things in the future. As we think about the conviction, the assurance that is faith, realize that everyone obviously has faith in something because everyone operates on a basis of trust in things. My guess is that there are lots of things that you did today based upon faith. Our legal system involves juries. They reach conclusions. They reach a level of faith based upon evidence, based upon testimony. There are witnesses that are called. There are videos that may be shown. There are pictures with circles and arrows on it that describe things that, that, that take place. And people believe based upon that. We realize it is possible for valid testimony to justify conclusions about guilt, which may eventually turn, send someone to prison for it, may even have them executed for it, based upon the testimony of someone else. Even the rankest of atheists believe many things that they have never seen. They don't deny that Abraham Lincoln was a president of the United States. They believe in the assassination of Lincoln, Kennedy. They, they believe these things. These are historical facts. And they have faith in those things. Never seen them. Anybody here seen Abraham Lincoln? Is anybody there in the theater saw it firsthand? How many of you believe that actually happened? Even current events. Now, there's images on TV, but it, it doesn't take very long for, for us to realize those things can be rigged. You know, 
we see movies and portrayals of, of superheroes flying through the air and things of that nature. Do, do we believe? No. no. There's a phrase. We disassociate. We, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, Suspend belief. We suspend belief on those things. What we think about the news and, and, and the things that are, that are reported as being actual and true, whether it's a fire at someone's house, it's a car crash, it's the execution of, of, of a president, we see those images on TV and we don't think twice about it. We go, yep, that's really happening. We have faith in that. Think about the places that exist all over this globe. We believe exist. I've never been to Fiji. I believe it exists. I've never been to Antarctica. I believe it's there and I believe it's cold. I have faith in that because of the testimony of others, because of evidence. Think about it from this aspect. You have faith in people's skills, skills of in, skills that you may not have ever seen before. You're going into surgery. You've got it planned. You've got it scheduled. You're going to tell me you don't have faith in that surgeon, even though you may never have stepped inside an operating room where he has performed that same surgery on someone else. But you have faith in his abilities. Time to go take a, a vacation somewhere. We're going to get on an airplane and we're going to have faith in the pilot's ability to fly the plane. We have faith in that. We ever seen it? Nope. Never met the guy. Don't know who it is. We have faith in that individual. I dare say that we have faith in individuals just as we travel around town. We're pulling up to a four-way stop. We have faith that that other person is going to stop. We believe that to be the case because we have faith in their skills as a competent driver. So having faith in common characteristics of men and the mere fact that someone believes something doesn't automatically mean that they're gullible. It doesn't mean that they're naive. It doesn't mean that they're ignorant. It is the validity of the evidence that determines if they are gullible. Not the mere fact that somebody has faith in it. Now what this means is the fact that Christians have faith in the Bible, that Christians have faith in Jesus, doesn't automatically mean that they are superstitious or they're gullible unless there's not valid evidence supporting that faith. We think about our examples that we had. The reason that we suspend belief in things is because we've seen behind the scenes of green screens when the weather person is standing in front and showing us the cold front that's going to move from here to there and the temperatures and such. We know that they're not standing in front of that because we've seen behind, this, behind the scenes. We know how that takes place. If anyone ever asks, you how people today can believe in Jesus Christ and do so without seeing him, uh, you need to tell them that I believe the same way the people did 
in the first century. The same way people believe many things today from the evidence of testimony. The basis of faith that most first century Christians had in this illustrates this very fact. One of the main reasons that those individuals believed, one of the main reasons why they believed without seeing is because of the eyewitness account of the testimony of the apostles and others who did not see. As we think about that testimony, we need to remember that that was an unimpeachable testimony. It was something that those men who had no reason to lie continued to say it over and over and over again. Those men who had no reason to lie, they willingly died for what they said. Think about these things. Acts chapter 2 again. Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. I don't deny that there may have been some there in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost that might have been there and seen the things take place. Jesus hanging on the cross that is. They may have seen him being carried off to be buried. But not all of them saw him raised from the dead. Saw him physically again. We know that there were some that did. We know the apostles did. We know that other women, we know that some of the women did. We know that Paul, Saul of Tarsus did later on. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This is how the early Christians became Christians. It's by faith without seeing. Acts chapter 3 and verse 15. And killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And then again, chapter 4 and verse 4. Many of those who heard the word believed. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. And when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35 again. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. How did these people become Christians? How did they have faith in Jesus Christ without ever seeing Jesus? It's based upon the evidence of testimony. What these men said, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you though those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desired to look into. Peter continues this in a, his second letter. 2 Peter chapter 1 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. 
He says, we did not follow cunningly devised fables, which when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. majesty. For he received from God the Father the honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is the testimony of these individuals. They preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when people heard it, they believed because of the evidence of the testimony. And the kind of evidence that we have today is that same testimony that has been preserved in written form in the completed scriptures. As we think about the strength of that testimony, we need to remember that it passed every valid test that it ever was, ever is, ever will be subjected to. It's sealed with the blood of men who wrote it. Men who were willing to die and continue to say, Jesus was raised from the dead. Difficult thing for a lot of people to comprehend. But that's what we see. That's what we have. And those men were willing to die for that. They had nothing to gain. They had everything to lose by lying. And they willingly died because of what they said. I want to read some testimony from the apostles who died so that we and others could hear their testimony. I'll give you a couple of passages to consider. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Beginning of verse 13. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement by, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it is now it was the preparation day of the Passover in about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. And he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. That's what John wrote down. So that we might believe in Jesus. Continue on in that same chapter. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel filled full of sour wine was sitting there, 
They filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. The apostles, John in particular, writing this. But we have the valid testimony of others that has stood the test of time. That Jesus died on the cross. And these things were written down so that we might believe. John chapter 21. I won't take time to read all of this. I've got verse 31 on there for some reason. It's supposed to be verses 1 through 3. But we can read this entire chapter. To get a sense for what these men were willing to do because they had seen Jesus, but they wanted others who will not and never and will never see Jesus to believe in him. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciple came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, and about for a, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then soon, as soon as they come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples asked him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. When we see stories like that, 
We go back to chapter 20 and look at the times that, that the disciples and the women, they came to the, the tomb to see Jesus. They saw him. They saw him raised from the dead. And these men risked their lives. John, in particular, spent his entire, the rest of his life, lived out in exile, all for the reason to, to give things so that we would know the things that were written. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Why were the things written down? So that we can believe without seeing we reflect upon those words which came down to us centuries ago I realize that I know that I'm speaking to some people who really do believe in Jesus that's why we can sing we saw thee not but we believe we don't need to let that shake us when the world tries to invalidate the scriptures by giving us seemingly contradictory things throughout it we can say I believe because the testimony will hold up the main reason that I've said all of this is to remind you that the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is not a blind faith it is a faith that is rational it is a faith that is reasonable. It is a faith that is a valid faith. And again, it's just as valid, just as reasonable as many of the things that we believe with a lot less evidence. We could spend time looking at testimonies outside of the Scripture that this Word is, in fact, the Word of God. That it has come down and has been uh, translated correctly and, and such. I ran across some information talking about the sheer volume of information we have about the works of Shakespeare. I don't think, I have, I have yet to run into somebody that didn't believe that Shakespeare wrote all those plays and things of that nature. And the evidence, the historical evidence for the gospel accounts, for the words in the Bible, far outweigh hundreds of copies, if I'm remembering correctly, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of copies, testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Our faith is not a leap past logic into the dark, but it is a willingness to acknowledge the truth that men and women have lived for and died for a faith in Jesus. If you have that kind of faith, 
kind of faith to the degree that Jesus to, that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that can cause you to be saved. The things are written down, written so that we might believe, and that believing can have life through His name. Do you have faith in Jesus as the Son of God? Have you confessed that faith before others? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? If not, now is the appropriate time to do that. If you have faith in Jesus, act upon it. Perhaps you've done those things in the past, but you realize that I've let my faith wander. I've let my faith be shaken because of the words, the testimony of mankind. Make a commitment today to return to God and to His Word because that is what can save us in the end. If we can encourage you, encourage you in any way to make your life right with God, we want to do so now as together we stand and sing.